GLC presents a Studio B production brought to you by the donations of our faithful partners. Hello. We're talking today about leaders, but these are leaders from nowhere. Sometimes you think, oh, leaders are just born. They, they just already know how to do it, and they have all the right advantages. They know the right people. They went to the right colleges. They got the right breaks. Of course they're leaders. That how it, that's how it always happens to a leader, but that's not true. Leaders can come out of nowhere. Leaders can come from the smallest, tiniest towns. I heard a little story one time, kind of like a fable, and it said, when God had his hand full of the talent seeds, he threw them in the air, and wherever they landed, that's where the talent raised up. So it doesn't just have to be in New York City or Washington or London or whatever. It can be anywhere. When you have a talent for leadership, it will make its way known. You will find yourself being put in situations and how you respond determines what happens to you. There's another little saying, the nuts always rise to the top. Cream always rises to the top, and it's true. You may have had a lot of disadvantages or you may have had a lot of advantages. It doesn't matter. It's what you do with your life. It's what you do with your choices. Sometimes people who have had an unhappy life look at someone and say, how come your life's happier than mine? How come you got to do more than I did? How come you're a leader and I'm not? How come you're a church leader and I'm not? And the answer is not where you came from. It's what kind of choices did you make along the way? Today, we're studying men in the Bible that you may never have heard of unless you've just casually heard of them. I want to ask you a question. Does God know where you are? Does he know your address? Sure he does. Can he find you if he needs you? Mm-hmm. Knows right where you are, what you're doing right this minute. If you just scratched your nose, he knows it says in the 139th Psalm, I know when you stand up or sit down. So maybe you just sat down in a chair to watch this show. And God says, I know when you did that. I know everything about you. We're studying these men who became great leaders under King David. It's a wonderful thing to follow a great leader. I've had the opportunity to do that. And the people that I have followed have taught me so much. They've mentored me. They've helped me. They've encouraged me. They've believed in me. It's a great thing to be under a great leader. And these men were. So let's study them. Get your Bible. Turn to 1 Samuel 22, 1-2. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble, in debt, who were just discontented, until David was the captain of, of about 400 men. Kind of sounds like Australia, doesn't it? 
Think about Australia. Now people say, oh, I'd love to go to Australia. It just sounds great. Oh, I'd love to be there. I'd love to see it. How did Australia start out? Well, they had a lot of uh, prisoners in England. They needed a place to get rid of them. They sent them all to Australia. So you can start out bad. You can start out with bad choices, bad attitude, bad everything. You can even get sent to a place like Australia before it's famous. And yet, look what happened to Australia. You see, what's that all about? Well, my dad was a school teacher. He told me something one time. He said, Betty, the same attributes that make a good bank president make a good bank robber. And it just depends on who gets a hold of them. At the right time, the right person can turn you in the right way. You can do that for somebody else too. So what was going on in David's life? He was fighting for his uh, career. He was fleeing for his life. I think it's kind of interesting that that scripture we just read said his brothers joined him there. Now you do remember these are the same brothers that when he was out in the field and he comes in to fight Goliath, his brothers go, what are you doing here? Who told you to come here? What are you doing? You're just getting down here to see what's going on. Get out of here. What do you mean you think you're going to fight that giant? But he made a believer out of them, didn't he? The younger brother led the older brothers. Interesting thought. All of his relatives joined him there. What was God doing? He was using this situation to toughen David up, to prepare him to be king. You have to get thicker skinned if you're going to be a leader because there's a lot of things that happen that could destroy you, stop you, disable you, and you have to get a little bit thicker skin. If you're a real thin-skinned person, real sensitive, and David could have been like that. How do I know that? Because he could write all those songs, and he wrote a lot of those songs early in his life. You have to have a sensitivity to be able to write songs like that. So maybe David was a little bit like that. And he had to go through these hard things. God can allow you to go through hard, hard times in order to make you what you need to be. I had a lot of hard things happen to me when I was growing up, real hard. And I remember one time saying, Lord, why did that have to happen to me? It didn't happen to any of my friends. Why, why did I have to go through all that stuff? And about that time, I just opened the Bible. I think it was in Lamentations. I'm not sure. I looked down and it said, it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And I thought, I know why. Because it caused me to be compassionate toward people who are struggling. It caused me to care about people who are hurting. Probably took a lot of selfishness out of me, self-centeredness. It wasn't bad. It felt bad, but it wasn't bad because it made me a better person. And this time in David's life made him a better person. The most amazing thing reading about David and Saul when they were enemies is that David had two different times that he could have killed Saul, and he didn't do it. The man was trying to kill him. And he said, I'm not going to do it. Don't you do it. I will not touch God's anointed. Boy, that's strong faith. Oh, man. Why else 
was David in this situation because he was drawing the people together who were going to help him in his kingdom. They were going to become leaders. He had to learn how to be a leader, and he had to learn how to turn people into leaders. And these were people, remember, who were discontented, in debt, angry. But David, through his faith in God, learned how to work with people. How do I know that? Well, read those Psalms. I love the Psalms. They are amazing to me because they can describe how I'm feeling today and they were written thousands and thousands of years ago. And they go right to the heart of the matter for me. These men retreated to this giant cave called Abdullam. And it was about 12 miles west of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was really close to Jerusalem. So that gives you an idea of where it was. It was large, it was dark, and it was cold. But it was safe. And that's where he had to be because remember he had 400 men. He had to find a safe place to flee from Saul and corral these men. Let me ask you, what are some of the factors in your becoming a leader? Let me ask you some questions. What are you like under pressure? Can you handle it? I heard a man that was a speed skater in the Olympics say recently, I like pressure. I like when it gets the hardest and the most is riding on it. That's when I do my best. How do you conduct yourself when it looks like it's all falling apart? Do you fall apart too? Do you start crying, carrying on? Or do you knuckle down and, and say, what needs to be done here? What do I need to do? I, uh, I've noticed something about myself. When things fall apart, it's like I go ice blood. I don't know how to describe it. Other people around me are crying, and I'm thinking, okay, we've got to figure out what to do here. And then afterwards, I can fall apart when it's safe and I have time. That happened to me in Russia one time. In Belarus, we went over. I was the leader. The government shut down a conference that we had spent a great deal of money getting there, $50,000 getting there, and the government shut us down at the very last minute and said, we know that Betty Swan is a preacher and evangelist. She is not a civic leader, and we don't want this going on with our civic people, and locked the doors. And I thought, are we going to jail? Are we, uh, what's going to happen to us? Have I brought all these women over here, and we're, uh, they're going to be in jail? Lord, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And trying to stay calm, felt no emotion, just listening, listening. Heard God. He told me what to do. We came up with a plan. Other people that were leaders there from the Belarusian side came up with ideas. We came up with a plan, and it worked. I got home, and I said, I'm never going back. I'm never going through anything like that again. And I started shaking, and I shook for days. And it wasn't a spiritual shaking. I was scared, and it was just now coming out. But I was able to keep my head about me when it was all falling apart. Can you do that? You can do that. How can you see the overview? Can you see the overview? Are you a visionary? A leader is a visionary. They can see ahead and see what needs to be done. Now, remember, you can grow into all of this. Some of you are sitting there going, well, I'm not a leader. Oh, I don't know about that. 
Start out small and see where you end up. Can you inspire confidence? Can you tell people your dream, your passion, what you think God is calling for, what God's asking you to do, and can you inspire confidence in people? And they say, I want to go with you. People are looking for something to identify with. They're looking for a cause. They're looking for something that is greater than themselves. Can you inspire confidence in them? Do you have integrity? Do you have character? Have you allowed God to work on your integrity and your character? God worked on David's all the time, getting him ready. He tried to work with Saul, and Saul would not respond the right way. So he was a poor leader. We have an example of a good leader, and we have an example of a poor leader. Both were in very difficult situations. One did it right, one did it wrong. You have to have character and integrity. We all see people fall all the time. And you have to pray and say, God, don't let it happen to me. Always correct me, Lord. Always send somebody. Help me to think, God, build into me integrity and character and strength. I lean on you, God. Let me ask you another question. Can you make wise decisions under great difficulties, under that pressure that it's got to be the wise decision? Do you know how to pull back in and listen to God and let Him tell you what to do? If you listen quietly, you will hear. If you don't panic, if you make the panic go away and you just listen, and get in that quiet place. God will tell you what to do. How good are you at being a follower? A good leader is a good follower. And you have to be a follower before you can be a leader. Why? If you say, well, I know I'm a leader. They just won't let me do it. You have to be a good follower. How else are you going to enable people and train people if you haven't been there and experienced it? How are you going to do it? You need mentors. Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody guiding you in your life, guiding you in Jesus, teaching you how to walk with Him? Here's a question. How loyal are you to the main leader? Are you critical? How loyal are you? Are you faithful? How loyal are you? That time in that cave of Abdullam was a place of forsaking everything else, and following David. Think about that. They I told you how they came. I told you what they were going through in their lives. And they had to forsake everything. There's just a time that you come to in life and you have to decide, I'm going this way. No matter how it turns out, this is who I'm going with, and I'm going this way. It's the same thing the disciples had to do when they left everything and followed Jesus. Think about it. The Jewish faith had been told a Messiah was coming. They'd been told for centuries. But somehow in their mind, they envisioned a king, a, a ruler that would conquer their enemies. They didn't ever understand. Yes, he came and he was a king and he conquered their enemies but it was their inner enemies. It was the ones that kept them from being peaceful, 
from having satisfaction, from having relationship and connection with God. They didn't count on it being like that, so they had a hard time believing that this man was the one they had been waiting for. He didn't come with an army. He didn't come with the, uh, all of the trappings of a king. He came simple as a servant, and they couldn't get it. It, it didn't connect. So when these disciples said, we're going to leave everything, follow you, Jesus, we believe. It was huge. Even the first century Christians, don't you know their families were saying to them, why don't you want to be a, a Jew that follows the Jewish faith? Why don't you want to do that? Why don't you, why do you not want like it the way we've been doing it? We've always done it that way. But when you choose to follow a leader, many, many times you have to cut things behind you and step out, and it's scary. But in doing that, you can become a great leader yourself. There's just a lot of decisions. Remember I told you it's choices. A lot of choices involved all along the way. Big choices little choices, but they add up. And they, it's almost like keeping score. And you see that when more of them add up, you're on your way to being a leader. Now remember, you don't have to be perfect because nobody's perfect. And you will make mistakes on your way. You will even make mistakes after being a leader. But you can do it. And you know, people are forgiving. If they know you're sincere and humble and that you're really trying to do it, they forgive you and you go on. Many times, you don't fit in with the status quo. You don't fit in with the plan. You're a, a front runner. You're a pace setter. And you're doing something new. Take the world of technology. Think about all of the people back in the 80s when the internet was really getting going and young men were going to college, young women, and they came home and they said to their parents, oh, I'm going to be a graphics designer. What's that? Oh, I'm going to be a person who does websites. What's that? Oh, I'm going to have this internet business. Well, where's your office going to be? Oh, I don't have an office. Uh, well, how are you going to do it? Oh, I'm going to do it on my computer. You're going to do what? Yes, yes, and it's going to be great. It's that same thing in becoming a leader. You, you get outside the status quo. You can't fit in and just go along with the crowd. You'll nearly always be called to something that there's people around you that are saying, why are you doing that? You're going to do what? And you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that God has called you. There's always going to be a word from God out of the Bible if you look for it and you ask God, if you're calling me to lead this, if you're calling me to do this, show me in your word, God. Show me. And then when times get tough and everybody's questioning you and you're questioning yourself, you're questioning your call, you can get out that word and read it. Mine is Jeremiah 1.5. I've read that verse so many times. I guess in my hardest times, God has given it to me maybe 25 or 30 times of just like, oh, Lord, did you really call me to go around the world speaking? Okay, did you really do that? I, okay, get this verse out, Jeremiah 1.5. Yes, I have called you to do that. Okay, Lord, I believe your word. When God has given you a big call and a big promise, you want to be like Mary. In Luke, 
when she was told, you, Mary, are going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. She didn't go, how can I do that? I, she did say, I'm a virgin. How can I do that? And he said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. She said, then be it done unto me according to thy word, O Lord. I say that all the time. Every time I think about the prophetic word spoken over my life that I think, how is that ever going to happen? But I know God said it, so it's going to happen. I always say out loud, be it done unto me according to thy word, O Lord. Now, let's say you're somebody that comes from a real small place. You haven't had a lot of advantages, and yet you think, I have such big dreams, and I am willing to pay the price to make them come true. But I don't know. A little thing you can say is, why not me? I mean, if you look at all of the great people in life, they were pretty ordinary. Look at Abraham Lincoln. You know, have you ever seen that thing about how many times he failed at things and he finally became president and he's one of our greatest presidents? So, you know, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Just say, why not me? If it can be anybody, why not me? I'll do the work. I'll pay the price. Jesus and David had something in common. Their relatives were involved with them. Their cousins were involved with them. And they became some of the greatest leaders. Sometimes it's your family that's with you. You know them. They know you. You know each other. You know all the background with each other. You, can, you know what they can be counted on to do. Now I'm going to ask you some more questions. These are the tests for future leadership. See, you've been listening. You've been thinking, well... I'm not called to be a leader yet, but I've already kind of listened to what you said, and I've been really thinking about it, but I think it's far off. Well, let me ask you some questions. Are you willing to be inconvenienced now in order to have a big payoff later? Delayed gratification has to be practiced if you ever do anything big with your life. If you have a, I've got to have it now, I've got to do it now mentality. It's not going to happen. There's too much change that needs to occur in you. There's too many things that need to happen. You need to learn how to have to wait. You need to learn how to be able to wait with patience, with faith, with joy. So can you do that? Can you delay, be content in the delay for a big payoff later? Inconvenienced now for a big payoff later? In David's men's lives, these unnamed leaders from nowhere, it involved war. Now that's something, isn't it? It involved war. Would you be willing to go to war? And we're seeing that all over the world now, and especially in America. And would you be willing? My son-in-law is. For the men around Jesus, it was an even greater commitment. It involved walking away from religion as they had always known it. It involved uh, being put out of things. People didn't want to be with them. And people were running away from Jesus. They were trying to stay true. Then they ran away. But they ended up, the great leaders, 
for Jesus. Why? Because they got filled with the Holy Spirit and that power. You can't do it without it. Don't even try because you'll be in your own strength and your strength will run out. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He doesn't ever run out. And you know, it even required their very lives. They were great leaders. They've been remembered forever, but it required their lives. Well, you're going to die some way. It's a great honor to die for Jesus. Now, I'm going to read you another verse. This is Psalms 75, 5 to 7. Promotion comes from neither the east nor the west nor the south. Promotion comes from God. God is the judge. He puts one down and sets up another. These men that followed David were angry. They were in distress. They were in debt. They were discontented. They were bitter and hurt with things that had happened to them. Their world was rocked. It was uncertain. They weren't sure of the outcome. They were following the guy who was going against the king. And yet, they trusted their leader and they became great men. These 400 men were known as David's mighty men. And it's uh, interesting to study these people and what happened to their lives. His uh, cousin Joab, I guess uh, it was his sister, his nephew, Joab, became the commander of the army. Abishai, Joab's brother, ended up as a commander. He wasn't one of the top three, but he ended up as commander. And Amasa, David's nephew, was made captain of the host. These three young leaders stepped into positions, earned the right to be there and performed. Can you think of someone that you know that's in distress, debt, or discontent, but you can recognize leadership in them? Maybe gang leaders. The right person can change their life forever. It could be you. You could get involved in reaching these young people and they could have their life changed and they could become a leader for good instead of a leader for bad. How about you? Waiting a long time? Tired of waiting? Your time is coming. It's going to be good. God loves you. He has a plan. Hold on. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. Bye. I'm Betty Swan with Betty Swan Ministries, and we have pennies from heaven. You know all about it because you have really, really been helping me. I wish you could see the bank deposits that are made online by people from all over America, Canada, even other parts of the world. Thank you so much for your help. Pick up pennies everywhere you see them, and we will feed the world with what America throws away. Be sure and send your pennies to any Wells Fargo bank to the account of Pennies from Heaven, Amarillo, Texas. It has to say that in it. But together, we have fed people in Africa, Mexico, Belarus, Belize, here in America, the Navajo Indians, New Orleans hurricane people. We're doing it together. And isn't it great? Pennies. 
Thank you so much. Order your copy today from the GLC Bookstore by calling the number on your screen. Please include the program number when ordering.